welcome everyone to our GDPR series of podcasts and updates to the UK GDPR and where are we now. My name is Beverly Flynn and I lead the Data Protection and Cybersecurity team here at Stevens & Bolton. I'm pleased to say I'm joined here today by my colleagues who are also involved in data protection, Gary Parnell who leads our insurance sector and Charlie Maurice who heads our IT. Welcome both. Thank you Beverly, it's great to be here. Charlie? Likewise Beverly, thanks, happy to be here as well. And um, there's a lot been going on recently. I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, but just off the top of my head, I think of recent guidance from the EDPB and ICO, impact of Brexit, data protection bill, transfers abroad, the new EU SCCs, trams to transfer assessments, AI, cookies, cybersecurity, fines and compensations. There's a lot out there. So thank you both of you for joining me. Um, we're going to have a few in this series of podcasts. So in the first one, I thought I would pick out some of those key trends and themes with a view to delving into more detail within the series. Uh, looking at AI, employment issues, data subject access requests, fines and sanctions, transfers abroad. Gary, first over to you. It's been five years now since the intersection of the GDPR. So um, a belated happy birthday to GDPR. I mean, in your opinion, has it evolved much since 2018? Thanks, Beverly. Well, yes, the answer to that is definitely. We now have much more guidance from the European Data Protection Board and from the ICO, all of which, of course, helps us to better understand and evolve our practices and procedures required to ensure we adhere to good data privacy. Recent examples include the ICO's ICO 25 strategy plan, uh, that sets out the ICO's priorities up to the year 2025. Um, then there's the ICO's updated guidance on international data transfers. And as well as that, the European Data Protection Board's guidelines on data subject rights of access to information on how their data is being processed. Well, I, I look forward to chatting with you separately, Gary, in a separate podcast on the international transfers. But um, where would we be without this wealth of resource and the advice that the ICO and other supervisory authorities are issuing? Charlie, over to you on any initial thoughts from you on the evolution, maybe. Well, I don't think we can, well, we certainly can't admit to mention it, but I think I don't think we can understate the issue of Brexit and the impact that has had too. Um, not only have we got the, the newish GDPR, but we've, we've got, the UK version and the changes implemented as a result of Brexit, um, as well as obviously the Data Protection Act 2018. Um, I mean, what that means in practice is really all of these changes, and there are many of them, have to be considered to both documentation and operationally, some of which will have a greater or lesser impact depending on the circumstances and the, and the, the type of business or individual you may be. Um, so, for example, you know, do, do businesses now require an EU rep in the EU or one in the UK? Um, one-stop shop principles no longer applies to the UK, so data breaches must be reported separately to the ICO rather than to the e to the EU dedicated supervisory authority. Not to mention, obviously, requirement of revisiting the position on transfers of personal data outside or to the UK rather than the EEA, and that's certainly an issue that we've seen a lot of our clients have to deal with. Many a, a privacy notice has had to be revisited, uh, records of processing uh, to take account of these types of issues. And obviously we've, we've got the, the uh, prospect of the data protection bill number two to contend with as well. So, I mean, in short, no wonder businesses are finding it challenging in the UK to keep up with the plethora of changes in scope. 
and no wonder lawyers are finding it tricky too. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> I just wanted to understand the reasoning really behind the new data bill and, and what it's likely to entail, specifically more for those who are not yet aware of it, because there's been some things about it in the press, but um, the, the devil's in the detail, I suspect, Charlie. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's the first thing I'd say is this is not without some controversy in our in our data protection world, but I think it also impacts more broadly than that. Um, in its original version, the bill was halted due to the need for further consultation with businesses and data experts. But where we've got to now, and it and it is still at report stage, um, is that there's a broadly similar bill, and, it, and it essentially it reduces some of the data protection requirements in the UK. Um, agreed much as in the detail and and probably outside the scope of this comment now but um once passed it's intended that the bill will make changes to the uk gdpr the data protection act and the privacy and electronic communications regs and it's fair to say you know there's more to come here but critics certainly suggest this still paves the way for greater divergence from things like the eu gdpr um and potentially um and we'll see whether this happens but jeopardizing our uk eu adequacy decision Oh, yes, Charlie, picking up on that point and my earlier point on transfers of personal data outside the UK, um, adequacy is really key for us. Um, Gary, would you care to elaborate on this more? Absolutely. Well, once we left the EU, we, the UK, became a third country from their perspective. So we now have to consider transfers out of and into the UK, as well as out of and into the EU. It's amazing how many privacy notices still do not address this point. The EU has introduced new um, standard contractual clauses, uh, which means uh, the original or the previous SCCs, as they're known, are no longer valid or are not likely to be valid in the near future. In respect of transfers governed by the UK GDPR, we also now have to consider the use of either the UK International Data Transfer Agreement, the IDTA, or the UK addendum to the new SCCs. On top of that, we need to consider, particularly in the light of this SREM 2 decision, transfer risk assessment. This means organisations revisiting their records of processing activities and investigating and documenting their transfer risk assessment decision. It also means revisiting privacy notices, as Charlie mentioned, and reviewing all supplier or data processing contracts, as well as intergroup data transfer agreements. For those who are interested in more detail, there will be a separate podcast dedicated to this area, so do listen out. Thanks, Gary. Well, data protection lawyers certainly have Brexit and changes in the law to thank for keeping them busy. Charlie, I just wanted to mention with your techie head on, there's been a lot in the press recently about AI. I appreciate it's a large topic, but is there anything specific you might wish to mention in the context of GDPR? Well, there has indeed been a lot of press about it. And I think from a tech lawyer's perspective, it's fascinating. Um, it's one of the most rapidly developing areas in the tech space at the moment. There's no doubt about that. And we've seen the ICO issue some guidance recently to businesses on dealing with, with AI. Um, from the perspective of accountability and governance, the ICO clarified what information should be included in a data privacy impact assessment in the context of AI. 
Um, they've also provided some additional guidance on the transparency obligations that apply towards individuals when a business processes personal data using an AI system. There was also some more information on ensuring fairness in the processing operations of an AI system, you know, automated profiling and decision making. And there is obviously a more detailed podcast on AI to follow as well, if I can plug that. <laughs> <laughs> good point, good point. I look forward to that. I don't think it would be fair to have a GDPR podcast without mentioning the delightfully delicious topic of cookies. Over to you, Gary. Thank you, Beverly. Indeed, the ITO has been very active uh, on the subject of cookies. Uh, businesses will no doubt recall that a cookie is used by website in order to operate a uh, website properly, but they can also be used to track people's browsing habits. Although very useful for business purposes, this type of monitoring has to be balanced with privacy matters and privacy concerns. Crucially, the ICO recently emphasised how important it is for business to have a reject all option on their website cookie banners, echoing the report from uh, Cookie Task Force of the European Data Protection Board. Uh, the board's report also included guidance on legitimate interests in that site should not mislead users by saying that non-essential cookies have to be agreed to. Uh, cookie banners should also avoid pointing users towards accepting cookies by making the accept button more prominent uh, than the reject uh, button. Whether this is uh, through brighter colours or more noticeable shading or, or any other method, yeah, thanks, Gary. I mean, cookies are always, whenever I check someone's website, it's really interesting to see how they, they approach cookies. I mean, I have to say the ICO's approach to cookies is very comprehensive and, and there may be simplified but more acceptable ways for businesses to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. And just to wrap up now, there have also been a lot of press this year about ransomware attacks and also a fair few fines have been issued. Yep, they have. Um, and there's going to be a separate podcast on, in our series on this area. Um, that might be of interest to people. Uh, but meanwhile, just to note, there's been a trend towards monetary penalties being levied against commercial organisations now, uh, rather than in the past, non-commercial providers like NHS and government bodies. Indeed. And as we're aware, there have also been some successful appeals from fines too, which is, uh, which is interesting. So watch the space. Uh, well, both, I'm going to wrap up now, if it's OK with you. And um, to all, thank you for all of those who are still listening. Please feel free to listen to our other podcasts in this series on GDPR, UK GDPR, Where Are We Now? And thanks both for joining me. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks so much. And you too, Gary. Thanks. Thanks, Beverly. Thanks, Charlie.